You guys haven't given me much funny stuff to put at the intro. <laughs> no, you did. Talking about pancakes. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just sang. <laughs> if your goal in going to corporate worship is to walk out feeling a certain way, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. At the same time, if you are capable of going and gathering week in and week out as, as a church and the, the singing and the songs never move you, emotionally, I would say you're also doing it wrong. We're told to sing with joy. If you have been saved by God's grace and God's done that for you, that that should cause you an emotional response. All right, welcome to Following Him. Following Him is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Following Him wants to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Last week, we began a two-part episode series about singing. Uh, Last week, we talked about singing in the Bible. We, We looked through it about singing with Moses and David and Isaiah and ultimately into the New Testament with Jesus Christ. We talked about what the Bible talks about singing, how it how it um, governs our singing in corporate worship as part of the congregated, gathered people of God. We talked about how singing should function whenever we're together as church. And for us here at MMBC, that's on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. when We congregate together as the people of God around the Lord. Today, we want to take what we've learned from the Bible and within those principles, and we want to now apply them more practically to our own situation here at MMBC. Uh, to join me uh, to talk about this topic, I've got Tim Michelangeli, Scott Slater, Matt Bates, and I'm Spencer Snow here. Um, as we think about music, as we think about singing, I think it's helpful for us to begin with background here. Um, I'm new to the church. I know you are too, Scott. So, Pastor Tim, what has been the history of music here at MMBC? Where are we coming from as a church? Yeah, I mean, I grew up here. I've been raised here. I'm 37 now. I had about six years away from this church, pastoring somewhere else, and also uh, a year of school away. But there's still people here who probably scoff that I say, you know, 31 years of my life been spent here because they have 80 years or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um who would be able to answer this question better, and maybe it would have been good to have them here to explain if it wasn't for our situation where we're not supposed to be together. Um, I would say music has been important in the life of our church for a very long time. Uh, From what I gather, just historically, it's always been a key aspect of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. There's been many groups that have come out of our church, quartets, trios, things of that nature, uh, who would go around and, and sing in other churches, uh, still have that even today. Uh, and you know, our, our dramas, our programs, we were talking earlier, I think those started in the eighties mm-hmm. sometime. Those have been uh, a big part, even in our community. Uh, people kind of, you know, if you talk to people sometimes say, I go to Monroe Church. Oh, you guys, you do the programs. Like I, I've got that numerous times from people that they would, they would know that. Um, and so that, that became very important uh, in the life of our church. Um, and so 
we've seen in our history too some some bad sides with music church splits over guitars or whatever the you know whatever the case might be we have that in our history as well and so um, our church has has battled that controversy just like a lot of other churches over the years of style um, all all that all that type of stuff um, so so the good side of music has been here and so has the negative side of music has definitely been been prevalent here um, throughout the years but I would say God has used music uh, tremendously here to do a, a lot of good um, in the life of, of people why should we sing as individuals as members who are part of the congregation here at MMBC, why should we sing? Well, we talked about this in the last podcast extensively. Um, we're commanded to sing, and we're not commanded to sit and listen to people sing, right? That's not a command mm-hmm. uh, that God gives us. When we gather together as the church, and again, when we gather together as church, we're talking about Sunday worship, corporately together. Uh, we are commanded to sing together. And so that means all of us. There's no caveats in there that say if you're good at it. There's no caveats in there that say if you really like the song, sing louder. If you don't like the song, just think about the words. Don't really sing. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't see that in Scripture. Now, nice pastors and ministers over time might have said those things, like if you don't know the words, just, just think about it. But really the command is sing the words mm-hmm. and sing them together in a way that encourages each other, that speaks to the truth of God's word, that admonishes one another um, and teaches one another. And so that's why it's important for for us to sing as individuals. What common misperceptions can we sometimes have about why we sing as a congregation? Like, so what are some misperceptions that you've encountered or... I used to think it was punishment. I'm being <laughs> wow, it's purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's purifying. It's... <laughs> uh, I think a common misperception is that uh, the music and the singing is a tool to attract people to your church mm. in terms of people that may be, quote-unquote, seeking. And um, in that sense, uh, having music that... Uh, that a person who isn't necessarily a Christian, so they might not agree with the content of the song, but they might like the tune of the song or the sound of the song. And so I think that's a misconception. We don't see that in Scripture. It's not an attracting tool. It's a worshiping tool that we have. And so I think that's a misconception. I think another one is it's a way to get your engine going for the sermon Mm, time. Like, we need the right music in order to be able to actually hear the preacher preach mm. God's word. Mm. And if it's not there, then it hinders that. Mm. And, uh, you know, or or uh, we need to sing the right song to, to establish the right mood right now. And so if we had the right mood, we might get a better response to what's happening. And so all of a sudden music comes this driving force for response instead of the word of God being the driving sp- driving mm-hmm. force for the response. Um, so those are, those are common ones I've, I've come across as well. It's interesting, both of those, the attractional uh, misperception and the setting the mood misperception, both understand, though, don't they, the potency of music. Oh, yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, the influence. The yeah. influence it has. It has a great power to... It does have an attractional power. 
if sure. it does have uh it can set the mood right i mean have you ever uh, try it go watch a movie that you love and turn off the soundtrack if possible and just listen yeah. to the voices you won't like it as much mm-hmm. because music changes you it affects you even if it's subliminal you don't yeah. realize it and just to make clear we're not saying that's a bad thing no no, no. music does create a mood yep. and i think what you were talking about tim is that when people um manipulate that they seek yeah. to manipulate the mood music is supposed to cause a mood mm-hmm. it is supposed to lead to yep. an emotion that's the point mm-hmm. but what you were talking about is an unhealthy way of doing that yeah yeah, yeah exactly when, yeah when it's not complimenting the words that are being sung. Correct. When it's Christ-centered a, words that are being sung. Yeah, God has told us that singing in the congregation, when the church is gathered on Sunday morning and Sunday night, it has a very specific function. It doesn't mean that music doesn't have functions outside Correct. of the church that are legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might like to sit and listen to John Coltrane play the tenor saxophone all the time. Get it. Right? Thank you, madam. I'm glad you glad you and I get that. <laughs> but um, but we don't want John Coltrane, who's no longer living. But we don't want him to come in here and to play the tenor sax all over the place on Sunday morning, do we? Why? Because that's not the place and purpose for music here. Mm-hmm. It has a purpose out there, and that's great. But we don't want that that here. So that would bring up a good point of application that I don't see on the notes somewhere else. So I hope I'm not stealing this. I'm looking over it real quick. But that is why we find it to be important that if you are going to be leading us in singing as a church, so you're going to be on stage, and I mean if you're going to play the guitar, if you're going to be playing the keyboard, if you're going to be singing, you must be a Christian. Right. You must, yeah, yeah. You must have been saved by God's grace because you are, you're not up there just singing, mm-hmm. right? Right. You're up there helping lead us to worship our God. And if he's not your God, you don't need to right. be up there. Right. You can be in the audience. Sure. Yeah. But you do not need to be up there. And that's why that that's where this comes from. Right. Is that is that truth that we believe the people of God worship God. We don't hire non worshipers of God to lead us in worship just because they're skilled. Exactly. Yeah. Non Christians don't worship God, they worship themselves. And in, in some people right. listening to this might say, why would you even make that point? And it's because there are some very well-known pastors who I know have taught me through conferences, hey, go out and hire school teachers to teach Sunday school, even if they're not Christians. It don't matter. They're the best at teaching, hmm. right? Go and get the best musicians to be on stage in your community and pay them because it needs to be professional and well done. It doesn't matter if they're Christian. Nobody out there knows anyways. And I just think that's horribly wrong and backwards. Yeah. Well, so then we, then we lapse into trusting our own manipulation, our own efforts, yeah. rather than God's grace. We want to do the best we can, but we also, we, we're not going to violate his word, right? And, sure. And put people in, in places. Yeah. So Spencer, something that's that's been on my mind since we've said this, you know, is that we've made it, we've tried to make it very clear that what we are talking about here, the subject of what we're talking about is what we do in corporate worship yes. on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And that listening to different music and singing in different ways is not necessarily wrong outside of that. However, Part of what we've been saying is that the role of music is to teach us certain things Mm -hmm. and to allow us to respond to God in a certain way. And if that's the role of music in the church, I have a hard time thinking 
that music doesn't do the same thing or mm. similar things outside of right. corporate sure. gatherings. Yes. And so there is a role. This this is not what this podcast is about, but I don't think we should not say this. There is a role, and you should very carefully consider uh, this, the music that you listen to mm-hmm. outside of church, because it will have an impact on the on what you worship, what you think about. Yes. You know, if we sing in church in order to take the truths of God and plant them on our hearts, that means that whatever you're singing outside of church, you're taking whatever it is that song is proclaiming, and it is putting it on your heart and on your mind. It's important to think about that, and that's yeah. just I've, I've just been thinking about. It. It's a side note. It's a good word. We're not saying that the music you listen to outside of church is not important. It is important. I would say, too, for, for most Christians, especially if you were saved a little later in life, if you go back and listen to your oldies that you like, sometimes it should turn your stomach that yeah. you enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying the beat wasn't good and the melody wasn't good and that you even still remember them all and mm-hmm. it brings a little smile to your face. But when you start to look at the words and you've been redeemed, you've been changed, you're a new creation, and you go back yeah. and you think, that's what I used to saturate myself in. It should cause you to say, "There are actually Thank specific you God seasons. For me. <laughs> yeah, there are specific seasons in my, of my life that I can go back to and remember of uh, what you might call just backsliding. Particular seasons of backsliding in my life that I think I attribute to. I started listening to some of the music that I used to listen to mm. before I was a Christian again, and that became my regular diet. Obviously, not in church, right. but right. of in my right. car when I was exercising, when I was doing whatever." And that was my regular diet of music, and it, it, it affected the way I think and what I think about and how often I think about it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, That's a great, great point, brother. Thank you for bringing that up. That, that's, that's really good, a really good compliment uh, to what we're talking about. <clears throat> so if, um, if we're thinking about the purpose of singing, what we think about why we sing, the purpose, the goal, the aim, when we think about why we sing, we realize that this is really connected as well to what we are expecting when we get into church, right? What our expectations are in worship. If we think that the purpose of singing is to set the right mood, then we're expecting the songs and the music to set the mood. If we think the purpose of music is to attract people, then we're expecting the music and the songs to be attractional. If we think the music is to give us some kind of worship experience, and, and you may def- define that, that, that uh, term in different ways. Different people may define that term in different ways. Whatever you think that is, then you're going to be disappointed if it doesn't meet your expectations and do that for you in worship. Um, one Southern Baptist pastor, Greg Gilbert, writes an article Um, It's actually from the past about music in the church. And and he says this, how many times have you heard someone say, for example, I just can't worship in that church, or I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God there. Uh, Pastor Gilbert goes on to say that if, if you press in on those statements like that, what you find behind it all is not very far removed from, I don't like the music there. He continues on and says this, I wonder if the whole excellence and praise and worship music phenomenon we've seen over the past few years, for all the good it's done, hasn't also had some less than desirable effects on young Christians. I wonder if it hasn't created a generation of functional mystics who gauge their relationship with God by emotional experience rather than the objective reality of redemption, end quote. Um, Do you think Pastor Gilbert's perceptions are accurate 
And uh, additionally, how can we judge whether or not we have really worshipped the Lord? I think there's one thing in the quote I would disagree with, and that's he, he mentions young people, I believe, in there. He does. Yeah. yeah. And what, what I've come across... All right, I just set myself up to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to call people old, and I don't mean it. They're not old, but it's actually generations above me that I've seen struggle with this. And, and so then the teens like that I come across who struggle with it, I don't blame them because their parents struggle with it. And it's really come from the generations above, above my generation <clears throat> who, I, who I think fit this bill to where for me as a pastor, it's heartbreaking to have somebody come and say, I'm going to go to this church now. And you, you start talking why, and it's, it's music. It's a music thing. And the church they're going to is a whole different denomination, teaches something very vastly different than what we teach theologically here. And that doesn't seem to be an issue at all. Right. What's the issue is the style of music or the length of music or the type of music. And that's heartbreaking to me because it's like, this has nothing to do then with the word of God. It's fully a style you're talking about. And that's what he's getting at here. That's not worship. Now, to go to the point, though, of what Pastor Scott said, I do think you have to be understanding of your congregation and the styles they like. There's nothing wrong with that. Just like if we were to go to Africa and start a church, I don't need them to sing songs from here, right? They, they should sing songs that have their influence on it and that probably make them move more than us and everything else. That's perfectly fine. That's how it should be there. And so we would have our own style here. But when that starts to become the linchpin, it's like, well, what's the pastor preaching over there? Well, I don't like his preaching so much, but man, their music's really good. It's like, I don't, I don't understand. That's not a valid reason to leave. You're not, you're not worshiping right. It becomes a heart thing. So, I mean, I would have to say that I, I agree with his overall thing. I've ran into that a lot in my ministry as I've ministered to teens, as I've ministered to adults as lead pastor a couple of times now. And so the other question that you asked is how can we judge whether or not we really worship the Lord? And we talked about this before we came in here. Maybe it was a couple days ago. We've put a lot of, we've put a lot of effort and time into these two podcasts that we're doing on music more than any other. I can promise you. Um, about how we have this responsibility as individual worshipers when we gather corporately to really ask some questions about ourselves as we worship. Why don't I like this song? Why do I feel like I can't worship? Is it the words? All right, let's judge the words. No, it's not the words. Okay, it's this. Do I have the right to be frustrated by this? Or should I, should I let that go? Right. I, I think these are questions that we have to ask ourselves in a lot of situations. Am I right here or am I wrong here? Instead of always going to our preferences and saying, maybe my preferences aren't correct. Maybe I need to adjust. Maybe this isn't the place for my preferences, right? That's not what the purpose is here is my preferences. It's, right. it's to worship and honor, honor the Lord. And I find myself having to ask those questions inside a lot, you know, to me also. You know, why am I having a problem with this? Why am I mad at what this person's saying? Mm. This, this person hasn't even talked, and I already don't like them. Why? <laughs> right? That's a problem with me. <laughs> Not them. That's a problem with me. But yet, 
but yet we do that. Right. You know, um, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. And so when we ask that question, how, how do I know if I'm worshiping? It's a heart thing that we have to judge. I can't, I can't judge just because, you know, the lady in the back's raising her hand. Does that mean she's worshiping? Maybe. I don't know. I, I can't judge her heart. You know, the guy who's sitting quiet and just looking at me, is he getting what I'm saying? Is it in his heart? He has to ask that question. I, I can't. I can't answer it. I think what you're getting at is just brings out an important point that, I mean, so if you're listening to this right now and you're saying, well, that's me right now. I'm coming away from church every week f- feeling like I haven't worshiped God. If that's you, then I think a good step for you to take is what, like what you're talking about, Tim, is just take a step back and examine your heart real quick. Mm-hmm. Ask some diagnostic questions. And let's be honest, sometimes we are the worst people to diagnose our own hearts. Mm. And we need help doing that. And if just, I know he's talking in a hypothetical situation, but I have talked to many people who have been in this, of what uh, Pastor Gilbert is talking about, uh, where a person thinks they need to leave their church, go to a different church, because they just can't connect with the, the singing or the worship. Just before you leave... Meet with your pastor or pastors or one of them. Somebody, talk to somebody and ask, go through these diagnostic questions. It's worth it to you because it might be that it would genuinely be okay for you to go to a different church or it might reveal some things about your heart that reveal that your soul is in danger. And so that's you need to take it seriously. Yeah, it, I mean, sometimes I, I haven't heard it this drastic, but I'm going to go this drastic just to make my point. You know, when you get someone who comes in your office and you're like, well, the Catholic Church, their music is really good. I like their music. I think I'm going to go to the Catholic Church instead of here. That's a problem. Their theology right. is way different than ours. Yeah. Like, we're talking about salvation is at stake here yes. right. of what you're talking about, right. and you're willing to go there over some music. Like, I've had, again, not that drastic, but to the extent of, like, you need to be careful if you're going to go to that church because this is what they're going to teach. Yep. And you've been here for 40 years, and you're saying this is what you were baptized in, this is what you believed, and now you're, you're willing to just to make this jump. Are, are, you, are you positive? And, and to put this so people aren't just defensive, to be very fair, this, is, this has to be my approach to every sermon I listen to. I'm not too judgmental on music. I can go into pretty much any setting. You can play the music, and I'm going to think, whatever, as long as the words were fine. I'm going to be like, that's fine. That, that's what mm-hmm. they like here. doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. But absolutely every pastor I hear preach, I am judging him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm judging him from the moment he walks on stage to the moment he gets off of stage to the point to where it is very difficult for me to have a worshipful experience listening to other preachers. That's a Tim Hart issue. It's not that preacher's issue. It's not even the content issue all the time. It's a Tim issue. Oh, he should have done this, or he missed this point, which was actually the most important. You know, or whatever I'm thinking, or, man, he's kind of monotone, or, man, he's, you know, what, he's telling too many stories, or he's a one-liner type of guy. I don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be. No, no, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I want, it, I want to bring it home so that people aren't thinking we're just judging people with music. No, music is the topic. But for me, music isn't the issue usually, but preaching is where it is hard for me to listen sometimes to preachers, even though everything they say is fine. It's just a judginess in my heart that I have to deal with. And so hopefully people will take my heart in that yeah. um, to, see, to see that I'm trying to apply these same principles in my life regularly. 
as well. Got a one-liner for us, Spencer? Yeah, right, Spencer? <laughs> Hopefully people watched our video to, <laughs> yeah. to get that. Well, if they didn't, oh well. But. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, this will come out the day after. Let me think video, of so. <laughs> Hopefully they watched that video. I'll have to think no. of a two-liner now. Now you know that every time Tim is listening to you preach, he's judging you. This The video will be out when this comes out. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Boys, yeah, quit arguing, boys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I knocked us off track. It's hard to do. Spencer's usually on it. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> okay. We're down there. Okay, the so, uh, <laughs> so, so let's talk about this. Okay, so how do we navigate our emotions in worship? Um, we want to have a balance here, right? Because we, we're not saying don't be emotional in worship, that it's a sin to be emotional because right. emotions are a gift from God. Amen, yeah. And he's given those to us. We should use those. We should be thankful for those. On the other hand, our emotions can, because of what they are, can be some of the shallower parts of our being and can lead us astray if we're not careful as well. How do we navigate that in worship? So if I've come to church and I'm not crying or I've not felt this warm burning in my bosom at the end of a, a song, mm-hmm. How should what should I think? Should have I not worshipped the Lord, or does that, is that necessarily so? Should I equate emotion with worship? What what should I? How should well, I? Well, the burning in your bosom might just be indigestion <laughs> from breakfast. You know, the way I think about it, I mean, Spencer, it's a really difficult question because there's not really a clear line. It's more of a gray area that you have to navigate through. Um, you know, and the way I think about it, and I think we talked about this earlier, is just that. If what if your goal in going to corporate worship is to walk out feeling a certain way, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. At the same time, if you are capable of going and gathering week in and week out as as a church and the, the singing and the songs never move you emotionally, I would say you're also doing it wrong. Mm. We're told to sing with joy. You know, it, we talked about uh, Exodus 15 a lot uh, in the last podcast when uh, the Israelites had just been freed uh, from Egypt. And that song of salvation was sung with joy. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, if you have been saved by God's grace and God's done that for you, that, that should cause you an emotional response. And that's, a, that's, that's perfectly normal. And so it's, it's not that we are afraid of expressing our emotions, and it's not that we should look at somebody over there that looks like they are having a great time in worship. We should not look at them and say, they are so faking it right now, because they might not be. Right. You know, just because the music and the singing is not affecting you in that way does not mean it's not affecting them in that way. And that's, I think, one of the things that is important is, you know, we think about the songs and our preferences. We don't just sing songs for ourselves. We sing songs for our, our neighbors with us, the That's ones right. that are in church with us. And uh, even if we aren't feeling sorrowful, they may be. Right. They might, I might not be feeling uh, joyful, but they may be. Mm-hmm. And it's giving them an opportunity to worship. So it's this weird, really, really difficult place to navigate of we are not trying to fabricate emotional responses. At the same time, we are trying to freely give opportunity to respond emotionally. Right. We never, but we don't aim for emotions, do no, we? No, yeah. No. We aim for truth. And feelings, emotions are a fruit 
mm-hmm. of believing that truth. Yes. And so I think that that's really a, an important thing to remind ourselves is, you know, sometimes whenever um, you're struggling, um, maybe in your Bible reading, or you're struggling in any kind of, you know, you're like, I'm reading my Bible, it's not doing anything for me. But sometimes I've found this to be true. It can be because I'm trying too hard to get something, quote, spiritual out of it. Yeah. Yeah. If I just let the word do the work and it's not Spencer Snow trying to squeeze something out of this, I find it happens much more naturally and I'm actually I'm I'm just I'm not pursuing and trying to be enslaved to my emotions, but then actually I become joyful because I'm rejoicing in truth. Mm-hmm. That's true regardless of whether or not how I feel. And also it's important for people to realize that you cannot there's not a one to one ratio of your emotions and your spiritual growth. You may be going through, you may be like Job and going through a time whenever your feelings are shot. And I think also we need to realize too, our emotions can only take a a select, we can go through a, I remember reading a, I was reading, I'm reading a book right now about Winston Churchill. And one of the things he points out is that the human emotional, our our ability, our capacity for emotions is, is limited. So you can go through really bad times, but you can only experience so much emotion because you're just overloaded. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes true for us here as well. We we shouldn't expect to just be continually on an emotional rush. In a real sense, that's impossible for us. And I, do, I, I do think that a lot of people miss out on the emotional side of worship because they don't come to worship prepared. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I know in my life, when I come to worship more prepared or more expectant and not just rushing into worship as fast as I can, okay, I sit down, I got here, yes, at least I made it, you know, on time. If I'm not here in that mode, but I've come, I've come ready and I've read, I've read God's word, you know, and I've, I've prayed, I've spent this time that a lot of times God works in my life more, even emotionally, um, I agree with everything that you guys have said so far. I can't, I can't deny what you guys had said. But um, when God works in our life, there is emotion involved. When, when you come to a new realization in his word as he continues to mature you, emotion is, is, is involved. Maybe you're not as emotional as you get more mature, right? God is, you're not as fearful anymore. You don't have these highs and lows like you did. You're more solid on the rock like you're supposed to be there's all these things but we can't take emotion emotion you know out of it i know for me i praise god for the times he gives me great emotion in a song mm-hmm. or even uh the word being preached or mm-hmm. even scripture just being read of when he grips my heart and i feel my eyes welling up and i'm feeling really just him taking over almost I praise God for those times because I view those as very special times. I don't view those as this is the only times I worship, mm. right? I just, mm-hmm. I, I thank him for those times. And so, like, for me, even when I go to preach, every, every time I go to preach, my prayer, my prayer is always, God, give me the emotions you have for me this morning. So whether it needs to be weepy, uh, stern, uh, joyful, Whatever it might be, right? God, I want to have the correct emotions through this passage and through this scripture that best, you know, gives the people what they need here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think that emotional side is relevant and mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. Tim, I think what you said at the beginning there is really important that if you don't come prepared 
to worship, it would be very difficult for you to, if our worship and our singing is meant to be uh, a response to what God has done, you know, I don't think you can expect to, that's a weird way of saying it, but I don't think you can expect to experience God corporately in a worship setting if you have not been quietly pursuing God throughout the week. I think that's why people see music as revving my engine, right? Mm, You're supposed to rev my engine up to the sermon. It's like, no, your engine should be going when you get here. Right. Right. And this is a continuation of that. And so that's why everybody wants, you know, the first song should be loud, trumpets blasting and everything. Let's get going, you know, and get excited. But that's not always how it needs to be when you, Mm -hmm. it does sometimes, Mm -hmm. but not always. Mm -hmm. I I do think that there's there's an aspect here, though, about it, it highlights what we often think about spiritual growth looking like. Most of the time, the Christian life uh, is much more complex emotionally um, uh, than than we like to think. You know, I mean, you know, with my wife Courtney, whenever I first started dating her, I had all sorts of emotions, right? And now you don't. What I'm saying. Is, <laughs> <laughs> Whoop. Be careful! Be careful! It's not where I was They've going matured. with that. It's not where I'm going with that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is this though? You see people, right? You you look at couples who have been together for thirty, forty, fifty years. They're not ooey gooey. They're not just you know basting it on each other, right? But they're committed. Mm-hmm. They're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. I remember Jay Gresham Machen. He was a Presbyterian guy, and he wrote a long time ago. One thing he mentioned it stuck with me about how we need to grow from the feelings of basically from the feelings of youth youthhood to the convictions of full grown men. And I think as we grow in Jesus Christ, um, we want emotions, but we don't gauge our spiritual growth on emotions as we used to. I think God, early on in our Christian life, will give us emotions because we're at a childhood's phase of life. But then as we continue to grow on, go on, he wants to see, are you going to trust me even without the emotions? Because faith is not an emotion. Mm-hmm. Emotions come from faith, but faith itself is not an emotion. It's receiving Christ. Are you going to trust me whenever it feels like everything else is against you? Mm-hmm. And I think God will come back. Emotions are a great gift, but I think also... Um, what this is highlighting as we're discussing here right now to me is the fact that this is tied into what you think the Christian life is going to look like. If it's going to be one long, you know, skip and hop and jump to heaven, or if this is going to really be take up your cross and die and follow me. What's going to be one of those two. And so what you think the Christian life is going to look like is going to be reflected in what you expect from singing in the corporate worship, yeah. whether or not you're expecting to get that buzz or are you coming to worship the Lord and to address each other in truth. And I'm going to sing these things, not because I feel them to be true, but because I know the Bible tells me they're true. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sing it because it's true, not because it feels good. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're there, when we're there, we're in a pretty healthy spot uh, from faith wise. Now we, we want to grow. We don't want to, deny emotions, but I think that if we're aiming at emotions, I, I, I think that oftentimes we won't get them, but if we aim at truth, we will get emotions. Yeah, um, I think those I th- thrown in. your your point to marriage is, is spot on because mm-hmm. how we see divorce just so rampant, and, it's, and what is it? It's, I don't feel it anymore. I right. fell out of love with you, and right. it, it's all about this feeling, and 
That's why people start divorcing their church. I don't feel it anymore. Or they divorce their relationship with God. I just don't feel it anymore like I used to feel it. You know, right. It's just not as real anymore. And anybody who's been in a marriage uh, uh, you know, a decent amount of time, you, you can think back on your marriage. And I, and I bet you can think of specific dates, specific nights, specific weekends, whatever it might be in your marriage where you were like, that was, that was magical. Like that was awesome, you know. But then you can start thinking of other times where it's like, I just feel like we're not ma- mixing up together. I don't feel like we match and she's mad and I'm mad and all this is going crazy. And if we based our marriage on our emotion, we, we would all be divorced a lot, right? We would give right. up all the time, but we don't do that. We're, we're committed to each other and we know that we love each other. And no matter, you know, no matter what she says or does, I know she loves me, she cares about me, and I care about her too, and we're, we're in this together. Yeah. And so I think we have to have that same approach as you come together as a church body to sing together. Is we're coming here to sing together, and today I didn't feel it, but I did my part because I sang, and I wanted to sing faithfully, and it was good to see so-and-so in the choir it looked like they felt it today. And that helped me to worship, seeing them feel mm. it. Or, or this sister next to me, you know, or however it might be. And, and so when I come to worship, that's what I expect. Mm. And I think that's what we should expect as members, is when we come to, come to worship, we should expect each other to sing for the sake of each other and for worshiping God yeah. in truth and in, yeah. you know, uh, how we should. Yeah, and at some point this... Uh this illustration of marriage is going to break down, but yeah. you just take, you keep going with it for a second. You know, I come home from the office one day and I see Alicia and I just tell her, you know, Hey, babe, I love you. Just want to let you know I love you. I don't always tell her that because in that moment I am completely enamored with her being. And I just have to tell her, I love you. It's not because I'm overcome with emotion. <laughs> it's because it's true. But a lot of times when I tell her that, I mean, I do love, I, I love you, Alicia. You're, you're great. Um, but a lot of times I tell her that because I know that she appreciates being told mm. that I love her mm. and being reminded of that. And it's, in, in the same way of, uh, of us doing that as a church, a lot of times the truths that you're seeing are not just for you. You're not just singing that because that's how you feel right now. A lot of times it's because, like you said, Spencer, it's, it's always because it's tr- always true of God. But at the same time, it's because sometimes maybe the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you, they need to be reminded of that yeah. truth. And I tell you, like even since coming here, one of some of the best times, honestly, for me and Alicia have been uh, specifically in the evening service when we're sitting and we are singing and we can just hear the person in front of us, the people on both sides of us, and the person behind us singing. Yeah, And it's just encouraging to to know that we are all singing this together. Yeah. I don't know what God is doing on our hearts when we're in those kinds of moments, but it's just something about singing truths with our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. It's not about how I feel in that moment, but just their voices encourage me. Yeah. Before we move on to the next, so uh, continue on the conversation, I want to point out too, when we, we love our wives, even whenever I don't feel like I love her, because love is not a feeling. Mm-hmm. Remember the second half of the Ten Commandments, none of those are say, I want you to feel this way about this person. Mm-hmm. 
I want you to have this emotional connection to your wife. I want you to have this emotional connection to um, your neighbor. No, I want you to treat them the way you would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that's something that uh, I think I, I think that's important to highlight because when we're addressing each other, we should do it out of love. And it doesn't mean that I think you're great. C.S. Lewis again, right? He's great when he points this out. We 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 sit, we we look at each at other people and we love them despite how we feel about them. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Um, so it just highlights again, we're after truth. Um, as we think of continuing about singing, how have Christian concerts or conferences influenced what we expect with congregational singing? Let me take this one. I think this question will bring the most heat from people if they are still listening at this point. Um, and I want to be careful, too, because, again, of what people think about me with music, a lot of that put on myself, what I say about it, but um, I think Christian concerts have had a good impact in some ways on Christians. Um, I'm glad that there's Christian music out there that we can listen to on the radio and that that's not the exact same as the music we sing in the church, right? I'm glad I, I don't have to just listen to hymns or psalms, that there's people who are very creative out there and they love the Lord and they, they have the ability and the talent to write music and put words to the music and everything that are edifying. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful that um, there's entertainment out there that we can go to. And when I say that, I mean concerts, you know, where you can go and listen and and have a good time. It, it's clean. You know, I don't have to worry about cursing. It's They're talking about the Lord in a good way, and I can leave feeling happy. I can leave feeling joyful. I can even leave saying, I feel personally I had a, a, a worship time there. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But on the flip side of that, I will say this. I think Christian concerts have also had a lot of harm on the church in general, on the body of Christ when it comes to corporate worship. Um, because people come to corporate worship expecting a concert vibe, expecting the concert feeling, and that's not the purpose of Sunday morning. That was the purpose of the concert, mm-hmm. but that's not the purpose of Sunday morning. And what bothers me is a lot of Christian musicians will call it a night of worship. They'll reference themselves as this is the church being gathered together to worship, and that's not true. It's just simply not biblical. They're wrong, and it's false. And so what I've seen happen is you've had what I would say heretical churches raise up good singers and become pretty famous to where you have some naive Christians who start to listen to their music, and they see the name associated with it, and then they start to get on YouTube and say, well, what is this church? Where are these people come from? What do they believe? Their, their music is great. And the next thing you know, they're, they're being led down a very slippery slope of unbiblical truths. And they start to believe that. They start to think that that's right. And they start to wonder, why isn't my church like this? Why doesn't my church do it this way? And I think Satan has used that at times uh, to the detriment of a lot of people and to the detriment of a lot of churches. You have a lot of people who are mad at their pastors because they don't get the same feelings that they got Friday night at the concert. Um, And so I would say, I would say that's been the number one battle for me in my ministry with people is, is that exact thing. Um, They struggle at church. 
because it's not like the music they hear on the radio or it's not like the concert. They're not getting the same feeling or whatever it might be. Words aside, like even at times you can say, listen to the words of that song. Who's that song about? And when you break it down, you see that song is all about you. It's not even about Christ. It's about you. You are, the, you are God in this song. That's what this person is basically saying. And, but nobody's listened to that, right? They've, they've listened to the melody. They've listened to the tune or whatever. And, and, and when we say this, Christian concerts, I think we need to be fair. I'm talking about a lot of parachurch organizations. Uh, so like the Gospel Coalition, um, I don't know. You guys can name some of them. Campus Crusades for Christ, Young Life. These organizations that are not locally church-led. Passion. Passion. Yeah. They can do good things, and I think they do good things. But when they start to separate themselves from the local church, I think they start to become detrimental. They start to become not good things anymore. And so if it's not building up the local body, then I think it's not helping the body of Christ. It needs to be building up the local body. And in a lot of these organizations, for the good that they do, a lot of bad can come from it as well. You know, we, we see that here with even with our teens at times. You guys going to come to the event? No, this parachurch organization that we're a part of, we're going to go to that instead. Oh, well, can I talk to the leaders? Yeah, sure. And, you know, I've done that. I've talked to the leaders, offered to be a part. They don't want to have anything to do with us. Hmm. We're the local church. We're their competition. Hmm. They won't say that, but it sure does feel that way. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I think it can be detrimental when you have – and remember, I, we talked about the history of our church, how we've had singing groups go out. We still have that today. I think those people really need to be connected to their local church and held accountable to their local by, and by their local church for their ministry and what they're doing. And when that stops happening, then I, I don't think it's a good thing anymore. They're on their own. They're like in the desert all on their own, right? So whenever I'm hearing, what I'm hearing what you're saying is that we're not necessarily saying that Christian concerts, Christian conferences, all parachurch organizations are bad. That's not what you're saying. No, I mean, but, we, we had sidewalk prophets here at Christmas, right. and we, we hope to have them again maybe this Christmas. It's really fun. Yeah, we're trying to work on that this Christmas. Um, no, I, I'm not saying that at all. Um, right. I think there is good to it. I just think there's right. dangers. So, but there is a difference between, I'm gonna, between worshiping at a Christian conference or concert there's a difference from that and worshiping at your local church. Yes, and that's why I would say like, so we're, I know we're speaking specifically to music, but I've had people come to me with this stuff and maybe this is just a good, good time to clear it up too. This is why I don't really want missionaries speaking on Sunday mornings. That's not the time for it. It's not the time for us to hear what the missionary is doing and what's happening. It's time for us to come together as a local body, sing praises to God and hear God's word preached. That's what we're here to do together not to hear, you know, what's happening somewhere else. No, we want to hear from the word of God. And so I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. I, I'm not comfortable, and again, this comes from a biblical standpoint. I'm not comfortable having little concerts on Sunday morning. I don't need a group to come in here and play five songs for us. It, it's not because I don't like the group. It's not because I don't want them here. That's not it. That, this isn't the purpose. We can do that Saturday night, we can do that Friday night, right? We can right. do these all these other times. There's all this other time to listen to missionaries. There's all these other times for these things, and we can make those times. But this specific time that God has given us for the local body is to do the things that God has prescribed for us to do in our worship to him. That's just different from concerts and those things. I, I, yeah, and, and sometimes, right, I mean, um, 
maybe other people have this impression, but it, it's, it is true that whenever you're going to a Christian concert, I think one of the things that is somewhat, it's like the word entertainment, right? Entertainment itself is not bad. No. But, and so going to a concert is not bad, but I, I wonder sometimes if people feel like they have to call it worship in order to make themselves feel good, like that it, that it, it, um, I think Does that I, make sense. What I I'm do, saying? I do, but I mean, for mo- from a lot, of, <laughs> I can't. I, I don't study Christian music a ton, but from some of them that I've come across and I've tried to dive into, like, what do these people believe? I think they might say at times the music is the worship. Mm. Like they have a bad theology on worship, and they're seen as worship leaders for our country or whatever right. going around. I just think they don't have a firm grasp on it, and and when we we find our people sometimes kind of putting themselves under their leadership mm. and listening to them and saying, this is truth, what they are saying here. And it's like, no, they have it wrong. That, that's not true, you know? And so there's a danger of that. Yeah. I think maybe part of what we're trying to get at, and you guys tell me if this illustration uh, doesn't fit, it, you know, as we're saying, going to these concerts, enjoying these kinds of things, worshiping in these kinds of groups is not wrong to do but we should not expect it to be our regular diet. The same way, when you go to a birthday party, you're going to enjoy some cake and ice cream, but that should never be your regular diet to make sure that you are healthy mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. And that's what we're saying is yeah. that you, what you should expect to be the regular diet is the worship that you participate in at your local church. Yeah. And when you're getting together at a Christian concert, that's a that's a very special occasion, and God moves in those times, teaches mm-hmm. you in those times, Truths can become evident in those times for sure, but yeah. it shouldn't be your regular diet and expectation. Think about the church of 50 people, faithful, right? Faithful pastor, loving on his people, faithful members, loving on loving on their mem- on, on the pastor, loving on the community. They're trying to be a light in a dark world, right? Pastor says, hey, there's a, there's a Christian concert coming. It's an hour away in the, in, in the city. Let's go. And they, and they go and they have a great time. Pastors encouraged. They had a good time as a church, and they they come back to church. And the next thing you know, over the next few weeks, his his members are getting a little disgruntled. And and he he starts to talk to them, and they start to say, "We don't we don't like the way we do music. We like that concert. Can't we do some of those songs here?" And the pastor's like, "Well, the seventy five year old lady who plays the piano. I don't know if she can play, can play those songs. And the guy who helps lead the singing. You know, I don't know if he can really sing that." And, that's extremely unfair, but yet that happens all over the place, mm-hmm. all over the place. And, and people say, well, these churches do it. Those churches probably have thousands of people. You know, we're a pretty big church in our state. We have a difficult time pulling people for music, you know, finding people who have that talent and that skill and, and have the uh, willingness to go and to serve and to, and to do these things, to do these things faithfully. We're not expected to be that concert venue. You know, and mm-hmm. what the pastor wanted to be just an enjoyable night with his church family quickly can turn into a difficult situation. And people mm-hmm. might say, that doesn't happen. Yes, it does all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. All the time that happens. Mm-hmm. So the, what's going on, the purpose of a Christian concert or conference really is different from what we're doing when we're singing as church. I think there's a, as church, we're specifically addressing one another in the Word of God as a covenanted body of believers, as a local congregation, 
other people may be Christians at those concerts, but they're not your brothers and sisters in your local church, mm-hmm. yeah, right? So you've got a special relationship with these people here. And also, I mean, the quite honest truth is, is that Jesus has only promised to be present where the church is, yep. not where a Christian concert is. Not that Christian concerts are bad, but Jesus has promised, I'm going to be where the church is as church. Mm-hmm. And I think that we should not overlook that 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 principle. What do you do? You think as well? One of the things that come that I was um, in reading. There's a there's a book that's come out a study about uh, contemporary worship today, and one of the things that that came up was the fact that sometimes um, people have become perhaps uh, use they've they've I mean I'll say it they've used the language of addiction almost, and people can become too dependent on a certain style of music to convey to them what worship is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could say the same words even, but it has to come through a certain style for it to get to them, you think. I mean, can that create a dependency? And is that, that's not healthy, is it? Right. No, for, I mean, that's, that's what drugs do, right? Right. This drug, when I take this drug, makes me feel awesome. Therefore, I'm going to keep taking this drug and I need that drug to get this feeling right, and right. this high, uh, and that I think we can see that same thing. I'm, I'm not comparing Christian concerts to drugs, but um, we can see that same right dependency of like it's got to be this way, or I'm not getting anything out of it. Like right. I can't get, I can't do that, and that's a that's a dangerous place to be as a Christian um, because like the situation we find ourselves in now, we don't get to gather together. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't get to sing together, right? We, we don't get to do these things together. And so are we just falling apart at home, not being able to worship because we're just so dependent mm. on something? I, that's scary. Stemming from that, I mean, a good gauge of what might be wise and prudent in terms of your church's worship practice would be to just ask the question of what, what mode or method of worship is sustainable for us? If our situation has to drastically change because of some pandemic in the future, how can we as a church prepare our people to be able to sustain their worship as a family? Well, if, if the worship style of your church is, is this kind of concert mentality that we've been talking about, well, all of a sudden you take away all these instruments, you take away these loud speakers and all those other things. Well, all of a sudden, like you said, if you take this away, there goes your ability to worship because you were dependent on that. Mm. You know, part of what we have to consider as pastors as we lead and teach this congregation is how can we best equip them to worship when there is nothing else but your voice? Mm. Uh, what songs can we instill in you that are memorable and that will plant in your heart the Word of God? And that that that's really important as we consider what we sing and how we sing it and how we lead and we teach people. Uh, because our goal here is not not simply to uh, have a good time. It's yeah. to equip. That's, that's what we're right. called yeah. to do. We're yeah. called to equip. Amen. And part of that is is to equip our, our families, our people, with good, solid music that yeah. they can sing together. Try to put a bookend on the concert thing. But we, we look and say, you know, okay, so what is worship in the – church look like versus worship in the in the concert setting i would tend to start thinking as christians we're always worshiping we should always be worshiping Mm -hmm. and so if i'm going to go to a michigan football game i'm going to be in there with 100 and 
some thousand people, right? For a lot of people, that is their worship. That that is their worship experience. That is their tabernacle. And what happens on the field will determine their mood when they leave. That will will determine a lot in their life uh, for the next week or even longer. But for me, if I go to that game, I have a bond with all these people probably that we're all rooting for the same team and we're all enjoying it and I'm enjoying it, right? And so there is a sense to where we are together, but there's also a sense of individualness in that, uh, of how I enjoy it, because I'm enjoying it in a very different sense than they are. If my team loses, I can be bummed, but it doesn't affect my week. It doesn't even really affect my day, to be honest with you. I would say the same goes at a concert, a Christian concert. We're all here and we all have something together. We can't deny that. We like this music together. And hopefully this music is edifying even to the Lord, which I would say then ups it versus the Michigan football game. And there's a sense of worship taking place there, but I would say it's individual worship. I mean, I'm worshiping on an individual level here of what is happening. When we come to church together with the church, we worship together. And I think that's a big difference. There, there, there's like a cultish worship of the Michigan game. I would say there's kind of a cultish worship at the concert. Here, as we gather, it's, it's the true form of worship that we should be mm-hmm. doing together with our brothers and sisters that we have united with, who we've pledged our lives with together to the Lord here in this place under the leadership that God has put there to serve our community, to serve our state, our country, even our world, if God gives us that opportunity. And so this worship is, is different because of how we're linked together, mm. right, by that common bond through salvation in the Lord. Mm. Really good. So what, as we move on here, we're saying concerts can be used for great good. They can be used for good. They can be used to edify people, yeah. right? I messed up, and I ruined somebody's date night not too long ago about this topic. They, like, got it for their anniversary, asked me what I thought, and I was like, I'm going to tell you what I think, and... <laughs> They didn't like what I thought, and I said, just when you get there, listen for these phrases, listen for these words. I said, but I'm not telling you not to enjoy yourself. I'm just saying enjoy it in this way. Well, I ended up ruining the night. I got blamed all for it. And I'm like, wait a second. You asked me an honest question. I gave you an honest answer. Right. But what they found out was what I was saying was true. Like they were talking about this is worship. This is the church. This is this, right? Mm. This is, they, all this stuff right. was coming out, and it was like for the first time they were like, yeah, we yeah we see it now, and mm. I, I didn't mean it to worship or to ruin their evening together. I, I apologize over and over again, but um, so do you have to pay for their next date night? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, that's the, absolutely so, not. <laughs> so concerts can be used for good, but we should not expect our our church gathering to look like a concert. Is it, you're talking about two different things. Yeah. Yep. So yep. so as we move on from there, as we think about um, expectations, let's talk about the songs we sing. Um. What songs should we sing here at MNBC? What are the biblical criteria that we're utilizing to select a biblical song? Uh, well, they should be sound biblically, things that are said and, and explained and taught in Scripture. Um, they should also be God-centered. Uh, since our, the songs that we sing on Sunday morning is all to glorify God and teach and admonish each other, uh, in those things, then it should start with God and not necessarily from ourselves to God. I think we've, we've already hashed 
most of that out. Um, but two things we haven't really talked about, and this is more just musically, is uh, language, uh, words that are understandable uh, to our culture and society, um, and then also uh, singability. So uh, to say this in layman terms would be how hard is the song to sing? Mm -hmm. And is it in a range that most people can sing? Mm. Uh, just thinking off the top of my head, I know we sing this song and I love this song. And I think we all would say we love this song, but in Christ alone, yeah. there is a huge jump in, in the chorus of that song. And it's sometimes hard for people and it makes, it makes the range of the song very wide. So uh, we, we still sing it because it, the, everything else about it is great. But uh, so those are kind of some things um, content wise and then also musically. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, what is more important, the lyrics, the words, or the musical accompaniment? I would say definitely the words. Uh, What's the difference between lyrics and words? It's the same thing. Yeah, oh, same okay. Thing. All right. It's a trick question. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all lyrics are words, but not all yeah. words are lyrics. Okay. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> but I will say this. Um, and I think we've talked about this too, is is if you have words and lyrics that you're singing, uh, for an example, if they're joyful and you're singing it to a melody and an accompaniment that is just like, it's like a funeral dirge, like it's not going to have the same effect mm -hmm. as if, you guys know what a funeral dirge is? It sounds really... It's like a really slow and sorrowful song in mourning, song of mourning. So if you're singing words of joy with a, a melody that's, you know, minor, sad. It, it's not going to have the same effect as as having you know a joyful, happy melody. Maybe it, it's it's faster in nature. Uh, that makes sense. What I really appreciate about that answer is that there are there's more than one side to determine what an appropriate song to sing right. is. Yeah. There is the theological, biblical side, but then there is also just a simple practical side. Yeah. It, what are people capable of singing? Yeah. I do think the what plays in is does it sound good? Sure. Why yeah, would absolutely. we sing a song? Yeah. There's so many good songs yeah. out there. Why would we sing a song that stinks? Right. That <laughs> just doesn't sound good. Why would we do that? <laughs> you say, well, the words are good. Don't put it to better music. Gosh, we yeah. don't have to sing it just because of yeah. words. <laughs> but even that changes from generation to generation. Right. Yeah. You know? like, oh yeah. We, we have songs that we think are great, but like I'm sure our grandpas and, your, and our grandmas are like that song is terrible. Oh, I get so you know. Tired of Grandpa Tim singing this old song. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes, I agree. But yeah. I'm just saying, I, I again, that goes to me, like even the preference of your people. We talked about that already. Right, but, yeah. You know, picking yeah. songs that you think they are going to like as, as a good pastor should do. You care about your people. Yes. Just like I want to give my kids good gifts, right? I, I want I want to see them happy. Mm -hmm. I get them a drink or something and they're all excited about it. As a pastor, I want to love on my congregation. And so if I know that, they like certain songs and certain styles, and I want to find songs that will match that. But, you know, in our church, that's difficult because we have so many people, and there's a, there's a wide variety probably of, of likes and stuff. Now, that might not be our first reason for singing a song, but right. if I'm going to be a good pastor, if we're really going to love our people, that's going to be part of it. It yep. needs to be part of it. Yep. You know, we've mentioned in this podcast the idea of coming away from a, a worship gathering with the church feeling a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know, you should be just as joyful if your brother over here 
gets to walk away from that worship yeah. gathering feeling joyful, mm. even if you yeah. don't feel mm. joyful. Mm. That mm. should that should cause you to praise God and be thankful mm. because that worship gathering is not just for you. Mm. It's for the church. Yes, just like watching a romantic comedy with your wife. Yeah. Wow. It's like... Have you all ever seen Steel Magnolias? No. Alicia made me watch bring, that the other day. I'm sorry, but she liked it. She That's one and of her favorite movies. You liked that she liked it? Yeah, um, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, we watched it on her birthday. It was her but birthday. But that's honest, right? I mean, I go to movies with my kids. I don't want to watch this movie, mm. but they like it. Or I'll lay down with our, our little two year old, you know, daughter right now, and I have to watch Peppa Pig or whatever, you know, or Daniel's Tiger. Dude, I love Daniel Tiger. <laughs> I don't. Those and little jingles. She's like, I mm. want this, you know, and it's like, I will sit here and why? Because she likes it. Mm. And credit to my wife. She watches a lot of movies that I like more than she does. <laughs> so, so music, the the style, the accompaniment should aid the lyrics. Yeah, it should definitely. It's aid. a handmade. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes an accompaniment can completely derail the words of the song. Correct. If if uh, the accompaniment is overpowering yeah. the words, uh, yeah, it's serving the accompaniment. It, and it's not it, serving. It's, the it's words. like I mean, it's like. Um, you go, you go to hear a, a famous singer, or you go to hear a, a great trumpet player, or a great sax player, and then the pianist is the one who steals the show. Right? right? You're like we never came here for you. We came. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be in the background to aid and to accent. Right. You're not the main right. show. And I think yeah. we always want to be reminded, right, that the congregation singing those words, mm-hmm. in a sense, is the main show in church music. Right? That's what. Yes. That's what. That's what it's about. It's not oh, about. Yeah. Not about the. Uh, the instrumental music, although instrumental music can be a great blessing. So what should we sing about? Um, does the Bible give us content? We've, we talked about this the last podcast. Um, the most important thing, right, is Christ, mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah, yeah. That should be the content. Um, um, should we only sing happy, positive songs, or is there a place for a lament, for sad songs? Well, if you take into account the psalms uh, which which we talked about the last podcast episode is that there's many different kinds of psalms uh ranging in emotions from you know depressed despondent to absolutely ecstatic and joyful so i think our songs should also reflect that so i think we should sing uh songs of lament and then tied with those songs of lament we should also sing songs of consolation uh, songs that bring us to the to the truth of Scripture that remind us of God's promise to us even in times of suffering, um, and then also yeah, I mean even looking to heaven, we should sing songs about looking forward to glory. Right, yeah, I mean there's the whole range. So I think when we're coming to church to sing, we're not just going to sing about one theme we're gonna sing about the full range of christian emotions christian experiences might not all be in one service that's right sure right right but um all centered around jesus christ and the truths of the gospel it's the same way with preaching you know whenever i talk to somebody trying to uh, teach them how to preach well we do the law gospel model right saying every message needs to have the law but it also needs to have gospel some will way heavier in law than gospel. Some will be more gospel than law, but they all need to have both or else your sermon's not balanced and it's not good. If people leave just thinking this is what I now must do, it wasn't a good sermon. 
But if they leave and never heard what they should do, probably wasn't a good sermon either because it wasn't balanced. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would I would say music is the same mm-hmm. way. There needs yeah. to be a, a balance in it. Should we sing old songs, newer songs? How do we find a balance there? Man, we need to sing all songs. So, so here's my that's argument. subjective question too because <laughs> it, it some people say that song is old and it's sure, like ten yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. No, that. I mean, I might ruffle some fre- some feathers with this, but uh, we had this guy here for a hymn sing, and he he's he's talking about old old hymns, and he's only picking songs from like 1925 to like 1980s. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, what about songs from the 1500s, 1600s, all of the 2,000 plus texts from Isaac Watts from the 1700s and 1800s? Like, what about all of those songs? What are we saying uh, by only picking songs from the last 20 years is that we are not going to look to the past saints of the last 2,000 years for their view and their contribution contribution to songs and singing the wonders and glories of Christ. Like I feel, I really feel like that's what you're saying. But at the same time, if you don't, if you're not willing to sing songs that were written in, in 2019 or 2020, then I think you're saying the same thing that, that, that songs that are written modern are not as powerful or not as meaningful or not as significant as the songs of the past. So I, there, <laughs> there was one point, it, it was probably about some, sometime last year, so 2019, 2018 somewhere, is I was picking one song from on our, our, our worship on Sunday morning. I was picking one song from each century. So we would sing one from the 2000s, we would sing from one from the 1900s, one from the 1800s, and one from the 1700s. So I think we should sing all songs. Yeah, I think I'm just thinking that in a sense, like when the song was written, doesn't really matter. Yeah, because if what we're saying is that what we're singing about is the truth of Scripture, and that doesn't change through time. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, and I'll say one thing musically about uh, one of the one of the reasons or how what do we sing is I brought up the language and understanding. So there is to an extent some kind of language barrier between texts that are sung that were written in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. The English has changed uh, from then to now. So we do need to be mindful of that. And I know there are a lot of wonderful uh, arrangers and writers today that are taking those old texts and in the spirit of those old texts are writing, rewriting the words so that it's a lot better to be understood for us today. I think that's wonderful. Mm. Yeah, that's great because I think, yeah, the gospel doesn't change, but we want to incorporate old and new, the best of everything. Um, Whenever we talk about worship and all these things, should we pursue excellence in worship? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I think as God gives us position in the church, whatever your position is, you should pursue excellence. Whatever it is you're doing within the life of the church, you should do it your best. You know, if, if the person out there mowing the grass is like, I'm just going to skip every other line. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unless you're I, making an American flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I want them t- 
I want them to see that as a reflection of their work too, right? And and to say, I want to right. do this well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one, I'm doing it. I want to do a good job. Right. Two, the way I, I think about the Lord that is that you're pursuing excellence not necessarily to impress people. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. But you're pursuing excellence, in my mind, to remove distractions. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, if you want to talk about ways to derail people from understanding and gaining the truth of what's in a song... I mean, mess up the music or get the lyrics wrong. A or lot. the sound. Or the sound. Or, or if you're using slides on a screen, get the wrong words on, on, the, on the screen. And I know that that happens sometimes. Mistakes happen. Yeah. yeah. But pursuing excellence is how you, uh, is how you just remove those distractions mm-hmm. from people. And again, you're not trying to impress. What you're trying to do is get everything possible out mm-hmm. of the way so that this person can focus on the truth that is in this yeah. song. Yeah, and the people in charge of that at church, usually, like the worship, the sound, the slides, the music, they're the ones most visible with that, mm-hmm. with the professional side. Mm-hmm. Um, they're under because everybody notices it, right? You're singing along, and all of a sudden the screen doesn't change, and you're like, uh, I don't know the words. Come on, do your job, right? It's just so visible, and so I'm thankful that... You know that doesn't happen too much here. Happens, but it doesn't happen too much. Sure, you, and you should be very careful of being critical of those people when stuff like that happens. Yeah. because that, that there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, that that you're Absolutely. under for that. Okay. Lastly, as we come to a close with this time, let's think about how we choose these songs. How should the songs be chosen? What should the weekly song process look like? Song selection process look like? Um, what does it look like right now? Uh. A lot of different thoughts come to my mind, but the place you have to start is is with the thought that the music is to supplement the preaching of the word. Um, so one of the main reasons that I was involved with the scheduling of preaching was so that I could get an idea of where we were headed and then also the scripture that was going to be preached out of for the coming weeks. And what that does for me, since I'm the one that chooses the songs, is it gives me a framework to then choose the songs week to week. Uh, so anything from, I mean, I'd, I could go back and there's kind of been like three fa- phases um, in light of that in my thought processes is when I first started I was kind of thinking it in terms of like a guilt, grace, and gratitude, and that's a very Lutheran uh, kind of thing, what you would appreciate, Spencer. Um, but so, so guilt, like starting with guilt, in light of who God is, holy and just, uh, sacred, set apart, we are sinful and we are unworthy, um, and then moving to grace. So God didn't leave us in that guilt, um, uh, and, and through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, he made a way. Uh, to reconcile us, uh, the big $10 word, you know, penal substitutionary atonement. Like that's right. what it comes down to. And then from, so you have guilt and then you have grace and then, which brings us to gratitude, which is our response to the work of Christ. It's our doxology. It's our praise. It's our singing out of response. Uh, so kind of forming the the songs and then also the scripture, and this is kind of getting into more worship or the order of worship 
um, or the L word, liturgy, which most people would say, oh, that's very Catholic. But everyone <laughs> uses a liturgy, whether it's written or yeah, not. Yeah, it's just so, an order of service. Yeah, it's just an order of service. Um, and then I, that was kind of too simple to an extent, if, if I can say that. So then I moved to something more like formal, like a full liturgy, which was kind of more influenced by like an Anglican uh, form of worship, order of worship. So started with more of a call to worship and then praising and adoring God and then confessing of our sin and then assuring the pardon of our sin and then thanksgiving and then asking God to intercede on behalf of, of us and then getting to the proclamation of the word um, and then communion, which we do special on special occasions and then commission and then benediction. So that's kind of the form, the format of where I would put songs in. Uh, so for an example, you know, we would, we would do a call of worship, which would be, you know, just a scripture reading and then a prayer. And then we would sing a song of praise and adoration. We would sing a song of confession. And then we would all read a scripture verse assurance, giving us assurance of our, of our pardon. So that's kind of, kind of what it was. And then this past fall, I, I kind of switched to something a little bit simpler. And I think this one has really been very beneficial to, to the church. Um, so it starts with revelation, uh, meaning that we start with looking to God. And I think this is very much in line of what we've been discussing this, this podcast and the last podcast. But we start with God because he existed before us. He spoke to us. Um, he saves us when we separated ourselves from him. So you start with revelation and then adoration and then confession. Um, and then $5 word expiation, which is basically just, uh, an act of atonement. So Christ actively atoning for our sins and then proclaiming the word of God, which is usually the sermon supplication, which is asking God, uh, to, asking the Holy Spirit to, to apply this word to us, um, and then devotion, devoting ourselves um, to the word of God, and then um, a benediction, which is blessing us as, as we go. So those were kind of, kind of the, the structural things on how I am looking at picking songs for the week. But it, I mean, it, it's greatly dependent on the scripture that I have gotten from you guys or whoever is preaching. Mm -hmm. um, because if it's, you know, if you're preaching on, like we've just been going through the life of Christ, and if we're preaching on uh, Jesus in the garden, like we're not necessarily going to be singing really joyful songs right? Um, as, you know, Christ is suffering. Right. Like we're going to be singing something that is along those lines. Sure. So what, what I'm hearing is, is you intentionally as you're thinking about the types of songs already that we want to sing in general, yeah. you're then taking and trying to, to make them complement and part right. of a whole organized whole Correct. in our service. Yeah. So I have a list of songs divided kind of in those categories. Okay. And then I'm always getting song suggestions from people. I'm always looking for new songs. Um, we, we don't necessarily do a lot of song, new songs at one you know, at, right. at a, one time. Um, but yeah, we're all, we're always adding new songs. 
So. Yeah. Always bringing in the new. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that that's that's kind of how the song selection process works here. I mean, as we as we think about wrapping things up, and as we look forward to whenever we are going to be able to get back together in the future to sing. Um, what would you want to say to everybody as they're listening to this and as they're thinking about the time whenever they're able to get together with their brothers and sisters in the Lord and finally get back and sing praises to our God? What would you want to say to them um, right now and, and whenever they finally get to that moment when they're able to enter the sanctuary and, uh, and sing, to them, sing to God together again? Don't touch each other. No, <laughs> no. <gosh. laughs> this is going to be a very serious moment. <laughs> I would, I would hope that we come expectant. Like it's been, a, it's been a, a long time at this point when we've got to see each other and encourage each other and love each other and and, uh, mm-hmm. and sing together. And you know, I, I miss being able to preach and. Preaching, preaching goes both ways. It's hard to preach to a camera. You get no feedback, yeah. right? And you want that feedback when you're when you're preaching. Mm. Um, and so I hope when we come, I hope we're coming together in Christ and just focused on Him and thankful that we have each other. Um, you know, maybe maybe some petty things can be dropped aside um, and not worried about as much as they were at one time. Um, you know, we're a little more focused on what we should be, you know, and I fear, you know, we, we can learn something from the situation that we're in now. I was just talking to Amanda about this. When September 11th happened, everybody became super patriotic. I remember that. Hmm. Everybody, all of a sudden people flock, flocked to churches and it was like, this is never going to end, right? This did something for our country. It, it's united us and we're going to go for it. I mean, and honestly, how long did it take? Patriotism dropped again. Church attendance dropped again. And that's kind of my fear, I guess, is we have this expectant, we have this longing to come back. Some people might enjoy eating breakfast and watching the service, and maybe they'll hope that that continues. <laughs> but I, I think for the most part, from what I hear from people, they want to come back. And I hope that that stays lit, that fire stays mm-hmm. lit. That we'll remember this and, and be thankful that God has brought us together um, to care for each other, to love each other, to sing together, to preach together, to give, for the Lord's Supper together, those types of things. Um, and I hope it really is a time of praise and worship and adoration uh, of God mm. in the right sense, in all the right senses. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? I mean, just what comes to mind for me is, you know, like in, in Revelation, when, when it's all said and done and the work of Christ is complete and we are with the Lord, we're singing, we're praising, you know, and, um, you know, I just, I hope that the time that we finally get to come back together again as a church will be a time of genuine joy and praise uh, to the Lord because we'll have a chance to do something that we haven't had a chance to do in possibly months, you know, and uh, just the being together again, being able to do that. It's going to be sweet. It will be really special. Well, thank you brothers for talking about this and uh, discussing. I know we put a lot of work into it and uh, we hope it's going to be a blessing to you at home. As you listen, we hope that it's uh, prompted thinking and, uh, 
and encourages discussion and and uh, thoughtful conversation as we uh, talk about these topics and as we think about singing in the local church. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you have a blessed week. Take care. Bye-bye.